Good morning, all you beautiful people, and welcome to Truth. It's Jan, aka the OG Brooklyn girl. And so today, I figured I would talk about my um my history with dealing with levels of um I guess white women's fragility. So most of you know those that listen. I grew up in what I consider to be one of the most toughest boroughs in the world, and that's Brooklyn, New York. And I know me people from New York will say, well, you know, I grew up here, I grew up there. But, you know, Brooklyn is my home. Brooklyn is my borough, so I will always see it as tough. But New York City itself always grooms its people who grew up there, especially to have a very tough skin. There's a lot of things that are thrown at you in that concrete jungle that if you really want to survive it you gotta get tough about it so I have lived in about three different areas since um since I've been born I've lived in Omaha Nebraska I lived in San Diego and now I'm currently in Dallas so I just want to share with you guys um a story of something that I experienced while living out in Omaha for about six years So during that time, I had worked at Office Max, and I was with the company maybe for at least a year. And there was a position that had come up about, well, actually two positions. One was for an operations manager, and the other was for a customer service manager. So I had gotten chosen by my store manager to go and interview for these positions. So I interviewed for the customer service position. And once I got the promotion, Um, or even before I did and heard the stages about it, I had, um, there was one of my coworkers who seemed to have a problem with it. So you know how when you work anywhere, especially in any environment, once people start talking, things eventually get back to you. So I found out that this person had a problem with me. Now to protect her, I will call her Shelly. So Shelly had a problem with me getting this um, particular aspect of even going to interview for this position. So it got back to me that she had a problem. So I went up to Shelly and I just said to her, may I talk to you for a moment, please? So she was like, sure. So I said, I heard that you were kind of um, upset that I got selected to be um, interviewed for this job. So she goes, oh, no, it wasn't that. It was just that, you know, since I've been here longer, I thought that, you know, um, our store manager would choose me. So I said, well, I actually didn't make the choice. He did. So I said, if you really have a problem with it, I think you better go talk to him because this was all on him. Now, I thought that would actually dead the conversation. I thought it would end it. I thought I wouldn't hear anything else about it because... I gave her the answer she needed. I'm not the one that presented the issue. It was our store manager. Well, gets back around again that now because I wanted to sit with her, I was too aggressive. And so then it became this whole thing of how would I become too aggressive? And then I realized this is what happens when you're around some around, especially in predominantly white spaces. See, even though Omaha is multicultural, I've seen plenty of families out there that have kids of different ethnicities in their family and they're just raising them and going. But when you're in a population that's predominantly white, and I've noticed this for most of the people who are considered minorities in this country, there are different ways we shape ourselves to deal and interact with certain things. Now, since I'm an only child, my biggest thing about interacting with people sometimes is just to observe them. 
see how they act, see how they work, watch their mannerisms, because that will tell a lot about a person. Body language tells so much about a person that they don't seem to realize that it's just like, oh my God, like what this, what is this person actually doing? So the fact that she got upset with me instead of actually taking it up with the store manager introduced me to what is now known as white women's fragility. Now, granted, there have been plenty other times, I think, that I probably experienced it, but not as blatant as here. And I realized that at that moment, she had never gotten pushback from another woman, let alone someone who was black. So I decided that I was going to have another conversation with her. But what I decided to do was bring Shelly in with one of the assistant managers and sit down and actually have a conversation about it. The reason why I brought a third party in is because I don't want anybody twisting my words, especially when I know what I said. So I said to her once again, I was like, Shelly, can we go sit and have a talk? Because this was after I got promoted and everything happened. So I sat with her and I said, Shelly, you know, I don't honestly appreciate being called aggressive when I was just pointing out something that you were mad about. You were mad about something that I had no control over. I didn't have any control over our boss choosing me to go interview for that. If you want to be angry, be angry with him, but do not call me aggressive because I'm asking you a simple question. So she goes, well, I just felt like when you approached me that you came at me like, really directly and hard and I said well what how else was I supposed to come and talk to you I said I literally asked you if we could talk and you said yes and then when I told you what I heard and you said it wasn't it and then when I gave you an answer you still said to me you still went behind my back and said that I was being aggressive I wasn't being aggressive I was actually just trying to have a conversation with you I'm being as level as I am right now and somehow I am seen as aggressive So then she goes, well, I just felt attacked. And I said, really? I said, but how do you think I feel now knowing that you're going around the store telling people that I was aggressive? So then she didn't have a response. So then she's looking while the other manager is sitting there and just listening to this conversation. So then she said, well, I'm just not used to people actually standing up and saying anything. I said, well, unfortunately... I'm sorry for that for you. I said, but unfortunately, I grew up in a town and I've grown up in a home that if someone is actually mad at you and you have no control over it, it is best to nip it in the bud right away with that person so they can actually talk to the person that caused the problem. I said, that is the person you needed to talk to, not me. You needed to talk to our boss. And I, the reason why I told you that is because he is actually the one you should be mad at. You should not be mad at me, even when I am trying to express to you that it wasn't my choice. I said, and the truth of the matter is, if he didn't pick you, that requires a conversation between you and him also about what skills you may need to improve on. So after that meeting, um, our relationship was extremely different because then she started to realize that I am not the one to play with. And I realized that I wasn't even trying to be aggressive, but because whenever anyone who is not white pushes back on someone who is white, it's automatically seen as aggression. It's not seen as assertiveness. It's not even seen as you taking responsibility or having respect for yourself. It's seen as being aggressive. 
I said, you know, and this comes from anyone. Anytime a woman actually asserts herself, all of a sudden she's aggressive. But when you are a minority, then it's even doubly so. So all of a sudden I become the angry black woman. I become the the loud black woman. I become the girl you can't talk to because I come to you straightforward. I try and be a straight shooter in my life at all times, especially when it comes to being in the workplace and especially in my personal relationships. Now, I know the workplace is also different because there's certain nuances and certain things that you have to do in order for you to keep your job. But not everybody reacts the same way and nor will everybody act the same way. Like currently at the job I'm at, I see a lot of favoritism. Now, here's the thing. Our job is almost as multi-ethnic as you can get, meaning there is no real like. I would almost call it the United Nations in a sense because not all our leaders are white. Most of our leaders, in fact, are people of color. So it's kind of like the dynamic is not anything I've ever seen Outside, outside of this job I have, this whole ethnic diverse dynamic is something I have never seen in any other job I've had. Like every other job I've had, I can count the amount of like minorities versus white people in the office. And this is not to say that the white people in the office are evil or anything, but most of you will get what I'm saying that when you go into most spaces, corporate or otherwise, you will see predominantly mostly white people unless it's you know unless it's something that's just completely and always been diverse and the job that I'm currently at that's what it feels like that they've always been at this level of diversity but when I experienced that level of fragility I also experienced it from my ex-boyfriend's parents now I dated a white boy and I've dated black men I've dated Asian men So, you know, I don't want anybody to come at me talking about you turn against your own. I don't ever turn against my own. Like I said, you can't help who you fall in love with. But like, I've dated black men. I've dated white men. I've dated Asian men. I've just dated because you try people on to see how they fit. But in the case of living out in Omaha, it was my boyfriend, my ex-boyfriend's white parents. And... Like I said, I do a lot of observing, but I also listen to a lot of the words. So his mom one day says to me, because she grew up in a fairly, um, I'd say, upper class situation. You know, and we were one day we were just talking about the, you know, the way the country was and how people are being treated and everything like that. And she was saying how, you know, they had a black maid and they always treated her like family. So when I first heard this, I was like, well, duh. I was like, expect you to have a black maid because the time you grew up in, there was no, there was no way I expected her family, especially where they were, to not have a black maid. That was just, it didn't even, there was nothing else even crossed my mind when she said it. But then the fact that she had to add to me that they treated her like family. I was like, what does that mean to me? I said, so you treated your black maid like family, which means what? You didn't lock her in chains or put her in a box or made her stay in the basement when company came over? Like, is that supposed to open the door for me to be more comfortable in the fact that you know black people? I mean, hell, I went to... 
his brother's um, in-law's house for Christmas. And the young lady that was there, who was, you know, the wife, she goes, oh my God, I have black friends and I get along so well with y'all and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, this is why white people are always made fun of. Y'all don't seem to understand it, and y'all don't seem to get it. So let's put it this way. I don't give a fuck about your minority friend card, okay? I don't care that you have a friend card that you can check off and say, I know a black, I know a Hispanic, I know a East Asian, I know an Indian, I know a Mexican, I know a, you know. I don't give a fuck about your minority friend card, because whenever you introduce yourself like that and you're telling black people, whomever that is not white, that you have this friend and you get along so well, that automatically means to me that you don't. That automatically means to me that because of the color of my skin, you have to put this preface on that you're one of the good white people. You don't have to do that if you're a decent person. And I get the world that we live in. We're, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, anger and there's a lot of hatred. And some of it is well-deserved. But at the same time, don't introduce yourself to me where you're like, well, I have friends like you and I get along well with them. Because that doesn't mean shit to me, that you have friends like me and that you get along with them. That doesn't mean a fucking thing. All that means is that you don't know how to interact with anyone whose skin color all of a sudden does not look like yours. I had his own father tell me, you're one of the, at least you're one of the more level-headed ones level-headed I'm like what world do you think I live in I have to be level-headed in order to survive see the problem with being white is y'all don't have to worry about being level-headed anyway y'all go off on these fucking tangents of bullshit and only now because people are recording you and telling on you and basically finding out where you live and where you work that now y'all can't go off on these fucking rants but realistically every minority has had to be level-headed, especially in a situation where the potential of them getting killed increases by 50 to 60%. If you are in a situation where you're surrounded by people that are not your own, and I don't want to hear any statistics about black-on-black crime or Hispanic or whatever crime, because people will kill their own. Let's just put that out there. People will kill their own. It doesn't matter what ethnicity you are. So let's cut that bullshit out. But when you are in a situation where you don't really have anyone around that looks like you or even acts like you, you already know how to protect yourself. These are things that unfortunately, even if they're not spoken by your family, you learn them through experience. So his father telling me I'm level-headed. What the fuck does that mean? Of course I'm level-headed because I know who my enemy is. Even if I don't consider you an enemy, I know my audience. And a lot of people don't seem to learn that either. Learn the people you're dealing with. So I got to observe a lot, you know? So the fact that, one, his mother tells me, oh, we had a black man, but we treated her like family. Two, well, I was on in the Navy, and I was on the ship with the brothers, and we watched Blazing Saddles together, and they used the N-word, and I didn't know how the brothers would react I'm like, first of all, you're in the armed services. Secondly, those black men, like most black people, know exactly how to act. Because they already know the situation that they're in. And then the minority friendship card. 
I don't give a fuck who you know. I can say the same thing. I know white people. I know, actually, let me check off every marginalized person I know. I know gay people. I know lesbians. I know, um, I'm sure I know a transgender who hasn't told me yet. I know Hispanic people. I know Spanish people. I know Italian people. I know Japanese people. I know Korean people. I know Filipino people. I know other black people. I know white people. I don't go around introducing myself with a minority friendship card. Who the fuck needs to do that when you are a human being? See, I grew up in a household where I judge people on their actions and how they treat me and especially those around me. Because, you know, you may not like me, but at least if you treat other people with some level of respect, because not everybody's going to like you, but at least if you treat some other people with respect, okay, I get it. You just don't like me. And I go on with my life. But being in that situation allowed me to see a lot of things, even in the Office Max situation. After that whole manager whatever debacle, the other managers there literally would throw parties in the store manager's office. And then when the district manager came and was like, what is all this shit in your office? Then all of a sudden it was like they can't have parties no more. And then they felt slighted. That's what the fucking break room is for. I don't know why you would feel slighted. That's what the break room is for. But because you thought, well, we're friends with the store manager and because we're white and he's white, we can do what we want. Yes, until someone else tells you otherwise. And then all of a sudden it's a problem because you don't respect the space. So learning a lot about the interactions out there made it even more apparent that it's just really ridiculous how much white people just don't get it. You just fucking don't get it. I said, when you see, when you interact with people who are not you, you need to actually observe. You can talk, you can have a conversation, but observe them. Learn body language of people. Because I will tell you all you nearly need to know about a person. You know, y'all go around talking about, well, I know or whatever. I'm glad you know. And I'm not expecting anyone to be colorblind. That's not where this conversation is going because a lot of people use that when they say they don't see color. That's just a level of ignorance that I don't deal with. I appreciate that. I know that people can't help the way they're born because they can't help what their parents did or their grandparents did or what their great-grandparents did or what their fucking ancestors did to other people. I said I was a considered anomaly in my neighborhood until people start to realize that there are black people with naturally red hair. So I don't know what the fuck, why it's such an issue, but I get it. When you don't understand something, you feel the need to box it, quantify it, and then put it away somewhere. But what I expect is, for example, with the lady who called, who used the, uh, who just used the barbecue incident for the people in California, and that other white lady basically chased her down. That's what we're talking about. You ain't got to prove to me that you're, you know, whatever. But you have to prove that you're willing to stand up to your own. Because guess what? People will always usually listen to their own. They're not going to always do, but most of the time they always listen to their own. And she tried to pull that white woman tears on another white woman. That's not how this shit works. No, you can't pull that crap. Because you want to be aggy and you want to get up in people's business. As I said before in a previous one, white people need to learn the art of minding their own fucking business. If these people, if anyone, I shouldn't even say these people because that's offensive. But if anyone that doesn't look like you is doing something, why do you feel the need to intervene? 
If you see someone at a pool that is basically you need a key card to get in or you need a key to get in, you should safely assume that that person lives there. And if that person doesn't live there, but they're with people, safely assume the people that they with live there. If they're not interfering with you, if they're not calling you out your name, if they're not even paying you any mind, why are you getting involved? And I know a lot of people are going to be like, well, you know, we just want to be safe. Safe from what? The fuck you going to be safe from? This world isn't safe. It never has been. We create safe spaces, especially for those that are considered marginalized, but this world is not safe. But the fact that you took it upon yourself to put your nose in some business that was not yours to begin with, you have to deal with the repercussions of it. So that that whole level of like white women's fragility stayed with me and has always stayed with me for a very long time. When I lived out in California, it was a little different. And when I say a little different, it wasn't that. I didn't run into that level of fragility. It was just a different type. I had a manager who literally would smile in your face and then talk shit about you two, maybe two minutes later. And I was like, how can you actually be in charge of someone and someone trust you with if they are going through family things, if they're going through anything, and then you talk shit about them later. But The fragility was she wanted to make herself seem like she was the best manager. She was the best everything. And meanwhile, she talked shit about people and everyone found out. And the problem is when everyone finds out, they're going to find out about you too. I said, so it's okay. But I also experienced a Mexican woman's fragility. And it was interesting because this was the first time I've ever seen at least in my experience, when another minority feels they're more powerful than another minority. So I had a manager who was Mexican, and most of her team was Mexican. Now, the store manager I worked for, he was a black man, and he made a decision to put me in a department with with them. And I'm going to put it just like that, because that's what it felt like, me against them. Now, granted, some of the people I work with, they were pretty cool, but my boss, not even close to it. And I realized that she just wanted to keep her team purely Mexican. Now, you know what? From a work standpoint, totally discriminatory, totally. But from my own personal standpoint, fine. Because you do realize that people are comfortable with their own. They get to speak their own language. They get to do whatever the hell they want to do. Bet. Then do that. But if you really want it that way, then you should have spoke the fuck up and kept it that way. Because when I asked for what I wanted, I didn't get it. So instead, I got thrown under the bus. And then when I got sat down and talked about, well, Jan, you really didn't do what you were supposed to do in the situation. They all looked at me as if I was going to go off the deep end. And I was like, no, it's fair. I didn't get the help I needed, but I guess I didn't ask enough, even though I did. And I was like, it's fine. I'll go to the front and do what I have to do because then I can support the people up front and not worry about someone not being happy in an area. I don't give a flying fuck. If you want your own people, you should have spoke the fuck up. But you see, no one ever wants to be seen as discriminatory and no one ever wants to be seen as better. Don't worry about it. Your body language already spoke it. The way you looked at me already spoke it. You could have just 
basically said, you know what, I can't do this. And you could have sat down and talked with me. And I would have been like, you should have just left it the way it was. Because that's how I felt after the whole thing went down. I'm like, you should have just left it the way it was. And I said that multiple times. Because when you know you're in a situation that everyone's basically against you, just leave it the way it is. Who gives a shit? You want, you want to be surrounded by nothing but Mexicans? Go right ahead. I don't give a fuck. That is your prerogative. But you are also in a space that has more than just Mexican people in it. So guess what? Now, if you want to be this, if you don't want to move past what you're dealing with, then fuck it. Don't. And I used to ask her every day about her mom and her dad because they were going through a lot of health issues. I used to show her that I actually did care about her as a person. But she didn't do vice versa. So what was the point of worrying about it? I just stopped caring. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. This is, this is your story. This is what you want to do. So be it. And now out here in Dallas, because I've only been here for maybe like three months. So I haven't really experienced the full effect of what Dallas can bring because I haven't been everywhere yet. But I'm sure there'll be a moment where I'm somewhere by myself because I do enjoy my own company. And I do enjoy traveling places by myself because you get to learn a lot when you're not having someone else's ear or mouth. So you get to actually see the nuances of being in a park or being in a museum or whatever the case is and see how people act when you're that one person because somehow being a one person causes a lot of problems but groups of people don't cause problems but being by yourself somehow it's like you stand out more and it's not even about standing out more I just enjoy my own company I've gone to the movies by myself since I was 20 I the only thing I haven't done yet is actually taking myself out to eat and that is something I want to do so I'm totally excited to do it but you know At the same time, I'm sure there'll be something here. I mean, basically what I'm experiencing at my job right now is what I consider bootleg favoritism. And when I say bootleg, I say bootleg because they try and cover it up as, well, we're not really, you know, showing favorites, but you actually are. For when you tell someone one thing and you do another, that is favoritism. And that's what I'm noticing. But you see, I'm choosing my own path because I realize in this life, I'm not going to get anywhere waiting for someone to do shit for me. So I'm just going to do it for myself. And if the universe is willing and God is willing and whoever is on my side universally and angelically is on my side to get me there, then I'll do it. But I'm not going to wait for people to play favorites. See, I'm the quiet one. I am the six foot one that's really quiet. When you first meet me, I don't really say much. And it's not because I don't like people, which I kind of don't, but it's because I kind of want to see, I kind of want to feel the room out. And I know that a lot of people are like, oh my God, Jan, how would anybody get to know you? No, I feel the room out all the time. Like if my friends introduce me to someone, it's a different story because that means there's something of value there from them to me that means my friends like them my friends trust them and you can get energy off of people in a fucking heartbeat so whenever I'm in a situation there's a lot of different energy I have to put myself in a mode that's kind of like powered down because I want to feel everyone out and see where their head is at that's all that's all I need to do 
But, you know, I just really want to talk to you guys about just that level of white women's fragility or white people's fragility in general. First is the supremacy, then there's the fragility, like one's hand in hand because they've never felt challenges, which is bullshit because their ancestors ransacked everybody and they did get challenged for it. It just wasn't enough for them to go back to where the fuck they came from. But they did challenges, but now that minorities and everybody's speaking up, they just like, where's our power going? Your power was always tenuous at best. You were never going to keep it. And now because we're living in a modern age where everyone has phones and they record everything and they have, and everyone feels the need to cry free speech, except when free speech is thrown back at them. Yeah. But anyway, that's a story for another time. Anyway, I just want to say thank you so much to the people that I have listening. Um, I'm actually going to, I'm actually hoping that I will get some level of messages or response. So if you want to send any message or level of feedback, you can hit me up at the OG Brooklyn Girl at gmail.com. Um, if any of you guys have the Anchor FM app, you can also leave me a message. Um, we'd love to hear what you think you know, or what's going on with you. I like to open up this avenue. I guarantee you I have a level of sensitivity about things, but I will always think it out before honestly reacting because everyone's coming from a different place. Anyway, I wish you all a very blessed day and I'll talk to you soon.